welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this is one of our hiatus topic episodes. We'll be doing two of them during this four-week hiatus for Supergirl. And the topic we will be discussing is Eliza and her daughters, Car and Alex. So this came from an anonymous Tumblr user who said, For suggestions regarding your winter break podcast, Eliza Danvers and her relationship with her kids, and maybe focus on Kara a little bit more, please. And I'm glad someone brought this up because we did have at least one request for this after we did the mom-focused episode during the summer hiatus, so our episode four. Yes, and if you'd like a little bit more context for this particular mother-daughter's relationship of Eliza and Alex and Kara within the vast amount of mothers that we have in Supergirl, you can go check that episode out. Yep, we'll put the link to it on our blog. Yes. But we were really excited to get this topic because we had definitely wanted to come back to it, especially because every season they always add more context to these relationships and build them up as one does over a lifetime with your family. (laughs) Yes. These three characters and their relationship is very important to the foundation of the Supergirl show. So they do kind of touch bases with that, particularly in the Thanksgiving episodes that we get almost every season. (laughs) Yep. Well, and I may have said this in a previous podcast, but I really appreciate that Thanksgiving is the holiday that the show tends to center around when they do holidays because it is so relevant to family and family is such a big thing for Kara and then consequently for the whole Danvers family. Mm -hmm. So it's nice. It is. Thanksgiving is also food related and Kara is a fan. Yes. And she is a fan of all different kinds of foods now because she has lived on Earth. So that's like another kind of neat way you see expressions of affection and stuff between all the different family members. And season four has started playing that up again in a way that we lost a little bit in the middle. Yeah. Well, Kara was like depressed in season three. Yeah, so I know. She wasn't that eating was a, as much. That was part of it. Um. Yes. <laughs> so then it's nice to see that in contrast. I did laugh though because I got it personally on my blog, got a question last year about like what things would I like to see more of in season three. And one of my complaints was that there wasn't enough of Kara with food. Yes. <laughs> and I, I specifically said, I was like, I know she's been depressed for the front of the season, but she left her own Christmas party without eating. <laughs> God, that's uh, so not like Kara. She had a rough time. She didn't, you know, she did, eat the food and then she got in a coma. It was a trying time. <sighs> she didn't get any good dessert and then she got punched in the face repeatedly. <laughs> like, it's cruel. Correlation <laughs> or causation? <laughs> no. Kara would have been more motivated if she'd had chocolate pecan pie. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> So one of the things that we discussed in the Mother podcast episode before was the differences in parenting styles within not just the various mothers, but Eliza herself having two different ways of parenting with her two very different daughters. Mm. So I I sort of consider Eliza herself to be a very adaptive parent who kind of takes a look at her her kids and and tries to parent them in ways that work best for them. Mm. Yeah. So one thing that like I've run into sometimes in working professionally around a lot of parents in different circumstances is you get those people who are so like they want to do everything by the book Mm. and so they think that there's like one proscribed way that you're supposed to parent and they try to apply it to like every kid in every situation and you can't it doesn't work you have to assess the personality of the child you Mm -hmm. have to assess 
process like the context of what's happening at the moment in their life, in your life, and make adjustments. And some people are naturally kind of more intuitive about that than others. And other people have to learn it as they go. It's interesting because it's kind of the way that you perceive a person and their personality in nature versus nurture mm. and kind of maybe relying too much on the nurture and expecting them to develop in the way that your parenting style would suit. Yes, that it would suit as opposed to like listening to the signs that they give even when they're very small that they have their own personalities and respond in different ways to things. Yes, absolutely that. And the other thing that tends to throw people off is like people who don't work with children try to talk to little children like they are adults sometimes in saying like, I'm going to give you lots of choices and it's like it's too many for a little kid or expecting them to behave more rationally or more maturely than they're capable of Mm -hmm. in terms of understanding like consequences and multi-step directions and lots of other things that you don't realize you learned at some point in your life. And the opposite extreme is also a problem where overly permissive people babying people who don't like allow kids to grow as much as they are capable of and give them independence that fosters that kind of learning. Yes. And finding that balance is hard. And I like the fact that the show with the Danvers family demonstrates that it's not easy and that there are mistakes that get made along the way, Mm -hmm. but that you can overcome those mistakes. Yeah. And I like the fact that they demonstrate that, you know, no two kids are the same in a way. And we see demonstrated that Eliza takes Carr and tries to give her a normal childhood Mm. to sort of combat that traumatic event in her life, period of time in her life, really. And also sort of calm down the part of her that wants to go out and become a superhero right away versus Alex, who she perceives as somebody that she should push more to strive and be exceptional in her life, which causes some trouble. There is certainly some strife in there. Yes. (laughs) So I think we mentioned this in the previous podcast where we talked about parenting Mm -hmm. in terms of understanding kind of what's going on with Kara and then how that affects the family dynamic overall. And I wrote in season one a post kind of explaining the things that I really liked about the way they developed Alex and Kara's relationship to demonstrate that in some ways Kara is very like someone who has special needs Mm -hmm. in the fact that Alex frequently will physically cue Kara to kind of get her to refocus or redirect emotions or stuff like that and also is just very emotionally attuned to kind of what's going on with Kara but to understand why there's so much conflict between Alex and Eliza you have to understand what's going on with Kara and how big of a burden that was for mostly Eliza to pick up because Jeremiah was only there for like the first year that Kara was with the family yeah and then like by the time we get to the mid-fail episode, you're starting to see that that pressure is getting to be too much Mm -hmm. of trying to cope with what's going on with Kara. So in terms of examples for Kara being sort of representative of someone with special needs, she has a lot of sensory issues. One of the things that may have aided you in season one in creating that meta regarding Kara's sensory issues is episode 17 of season one, Manhunter, and the flashback where Kara is being overwhelmed. She's outside of her school and she's struggling with her hearing. Her super hearing is kind of out of control and she starts seeing with her x-ray vision and isn't really able to control her various powers in the moment. And we also see like later on hearing is something that affects adult Kara as one of her weaknesses. Weaknesses in what sense? The fact that she has sensitive hearing. It's on the list like kryptonite. Oh, you mean like it's one of the things that people will target to distract her? 
Well, it's one of the things that hurts her. Yeah, that's what I mean. People will intentionally like use that against her. Yeah, like with the devices or also with the specifically engineered world killers who the one of them had that sort of scream screaming ability. Banshee's screaming ability. Banshee's another character who oh, yeah. used that against her. So Yeah, so when I was looking into that, I was looking at specifically how a lot of the things that Kara has difficulty with and especially had difficulty with as a young teenager are very similar to different symptoms that you see in someone with sensory processing disorder. And there are many ways that that can show up in a person because you have multiple sensory systems and like in most people, most of them work okay. And then maybe one is either too sensitive or like not sensitive enough. Mm. But unfortunately for Kara, um, (laughs) she has problems with all of them, basically. And so one of the things that we see even as an adult she struggles with is something called grading of movement, which is recognizing how much strength or force you need to pick up an object or move it or do something with it. And so like in a little kid, you would see that if you had a kid who was like trying to erase with a pencil and they'd shove so hard it goes through the paper. Mm. Whereas with Kara, she breaks things, like actively breaks them. Mm -hmm. And even still as an adult, if she gets emotionally upset or distracted, she'll forget and she'll break stuff. Yes. Um, Another one, as you mentioned, you know, was the hypersensitive hearing. She also exhibits some of the symptoms of somebody who's got like a visual issue because she's so distracted by all the extra stimuli that Mm -hmm. she can see. So a couple other ones that maybe people don't realize are potentially perceived as like a processing disorder are Mm -hmm. one that's called tactile dysfunction, which tactile means being related to being touched. But because Kara is so strong, she's kind of like undersensitive to touch from normal people sometimes. So she's not necessarily going to notice if somebody bumps into her or if they're touching her, which is why you see Alex really intentionally kind of grab her on the elbow or actively touch her and show her that she needs to move out of the way or stuff like that Mm. because she probably did it for like all of middle school. Yes. Um. It's also interesting in terms of car picking up hot things. Yes. And she's not being harmed by it. Yeah, she doesn't feel hot and cold in the same way as people. But one of the other things that we see her do is she likes to seek out objects or surfaces that are like really soft and things that give strong kind of tactile feedback. Many a pillow. Yes, lots of pillows. Particularly when stressed or uncomfortable. And one of the other things that's really interesting with like undersensitive sense of touch is it also relates to having a craving for specific taste in food that are like strong flavors. And with Kara, she tends to go for really sweet stuff. Yes. Which like it's strong in the sense that it's like a really intense kind of sweet. But the other thing with Kara that's interesting with regard to food is they generally speaking write her food preferences like those of someone who's a super taster, mm. which means that your taste buds are really sensitive. So like you're not a huge fan of spice or stuff that's like really sour. Yeah. And so a lot of the stuff that she likes is actually really plain mm-hmm. other than being sweet. It's it's like a lot of bread. <laughs> yes. Kara loves bread. <laughs> she likes carbs. <laughs> and then let's see. The other one that's interesting for Kara is what's called vestibular dysfunction, which is like a weird term that most people probably don't know. <laughs> what does it mean, Vivi? It's hard to explain, but basically her issue is that she doesn't have discomfort when she experiences extreme sensations. So like hanging upside down, moving really fast, abruptly changing speeds from not moving to moving a lot, having no fear of heights, always seeming full of energy and kind of almost borderline hyperactive, craving kind of intense activities that will generate a lot of motion and movement. So in normal people, you'd see it like people who really like roller coasters or gymnastic type, like jumping around or spinning, something that's really physically engaging and really active. 
Interesting. It is. So when you consider she's got all of these things, which are challenging even for a parent of a normal child with these issues. Mm -hmm. She not only has all of these problems, she has them to the degree that she could physically harm someone. Yes. If something goes wrong, especially when you consider the difficulty with judging the strength. Like we've seen multiple times. Yes. Her (laughs) hugging Alex in it. You hear the bone crunching noises. Um, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> poor Alex. Um, well, but Kara talks about that one specifically being a struggle, like when she talks about being afraid to pet Streaky. Yeah. And she was afraid for a long time to get too physically close to people. And all of these struggles are things that she has to hide because they are cues into her being different. Well, it's interesting, though, because they are similar to symptoms of problems that like human people have. Mm-hmm. So she could feasibly kind of talk about them or maybe, you know, the Danvers could have gotten her diagnosed with learning disabilities or something. Yeah. So that, like, her teachers weren't constantly going, oh, that's weird. Um, <laughs> well, maybe that her teachers, maybe that's how she got away with a lot of things. Probably. I mean, it would not surprise me because even with kids who aren't diagnosed, a teacher who's experienced knows when they see symptoms of things and they're like, oh, okay, we'll make adaptations for that. Yes. But, you know, not only does she have all these sensory difficulties, she's also got all these, like, bonus powers that people don't have that she also has to worry about like the freeze breath like the laser vision yeah accidentally running too fast and launching into the air (laughs) um so that's a lot for you know a 12 13 14 year old kid to handle on top of the normal everyday pressures of going to school and dealing with your family and then on top of that cars everyone she ever knew is dead yeah and and she just she spent like what 24 years to some degree aware within that pod in the phantom zone that she was staring out into the existential abyss yes <laughs> the literal abyss <laughs> yeah so she has a little bit of trauma well and on top of that she was also an only child also true just like alex and so there's a learning curve there on both sides as well and those are all things that to some extent the danvers parents are aware of and taking into consideration when they try to figure out like how to deal with Kara. Yeah. <laughs> How are we going to solve a problem like Kara's powers? Can you imagine Um, just like... (laughs) How do you start even determining rules or like helping her practice? Like those are all huge things that you've got to work on before she's even ready maybe to go to school. Like... And you just imagine that like, you know, Eliza and Jeremiah adopt Kara. They have all these problems and then suddenly (laughs) Eliza's a parent short. Yeah. A hand short. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at Alex and the way that she is emotionally in terms of like, if other people are struggling, she'll put her needs aside. Mm -hmm. Please now also picture Eliza after Jeremiah's passed away. And like, does she have a lot of time to really grieve and process her own emotions? She's got two teenagers. Yeah one of whom needs a ton of physical attention and monitoring and reminding about like things that she can and can't do. And That's another aspect that we haven't quite talked about yet is just the fact that Car is in a strange land and doesn't know how things work, like basic things. Yeah. And so you get this weird loop of, especially after Jeremiah dies, or at least they think he's dead, Alex is upset, Eliza's upset. They're both like trying to kind of keep a lid on the fact that they're upset because there's so much other stuff going on. And it doesn't really go 
No. At all. And then in the midst of all this, you've got Kara, who kind of feels like an outsider, because she is, and (laughs) also feeling kind of guilty, especially when Alex guilt trips her about it, Mm -hmm. which she does the moment she's out of mom's earshot. (laughs) And also aware that, you know, she does things that make it difficult for everybody else. And so she'll like try not to do them, but she also wants to help because that's who Kara is. And like she doesn't know how to help the right way. So then she tries to do other things and then they don't work. And then she gets frustrated. Yeah. And then there's the fact that she is being prevented from helping in the way that she thinks herself would actually be good at, you know, going out and being a superhero. Like her body is attuned to doing this thing. And instead, she's kind of trapped in this situation where she can't go do that and help that way. And she's also being a kind of burden upon these two people. Yeah. So there's just like a whole mass of unspoken stress and anxiety that just like lingers like a cloud over that house until Car and Alex are adults. Yes. <laughs> but that matters so much, though, because once they're in a position where all that stuff can be put away or that those barriers are gone, it changes the whole family dynamic completely. And it makes it much healthier for everybody. It sure does. So this situation with Kara leads Eliza to parent her in a very different way from Alex. And this is something that she says to Alex in the very first Thanksgiving episode in season one in Livewire. She says, Kara lost everything. I didn't know how to do anything but accept her. And so Eliza just tried to sort of accept Kara as she was and in a lot of ways kind of hold her back from her impulses. Well, I mean, she was very definitely in mom mode in the sense of kind of wanting to protect Kara from herself and also from the very real threat of people coming to take her away and lock her up as a science experiment. Yeah. And so to Kara, that felt very stifling. Yeah, especially because that's all tied into her trauma and what her birth mother told her to go and be extraordinary. And and Kara has that in her head, like, I'm going to go be a superhero. I'm going to be with Kale and be extraordinary like my mother told me to do. And then Eliza. It's like you need to you need to have a normal childhood, especially after everything you know that happened. And Eliza's just trying to get Car to cope with things how they are, as opposed to like push past and, and diving into this other really complex world of being a superhero in a world she knows nothing about. Yes, she needs a foundation for being a superhero, just knowing what the hell she's doing for one thing, and also having the emotional maturity needed to do many of the things that she does as a superhero today. See, that's interesting because that's one of the parts of the Eliza and Kara dynamic that I personally find relatable (laughs) in that so like the small person is very physically gifted and when she was little like I'm talking probably baby Kara size like 12 13 was often with kids who were 17 18 19 years old and that takes a huge emotional toll on a kid who's not socially mature enough to keep up with people they feel you know very isolated very lonely and then you get like weird resentments coming back and forth because like oh they happen to be really good at this thing but they're way younger than everybody else and that's not fair and so there's a lot of really real emotions that come up within the context of Kara's childhood in the Danvers family and some of the issues that we see with Alex as well. Yes. And on the flip side with Alex, in that same scene in Livewire, Eliza tells her within that same quote, I wanted you to be better than me, but that never meant I didn't love you. You've always been my supergirl. And that's sort of the important part. (laughs) 
And this comes at a point where we find out Alex has obviously been carrying around all of these really intense emotions for like half of her life at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's very clear in in the scene that this is the first time she's actually saying anything about it to Eliza, at least. And even in the pilot, it seemed like that was the first time she was really voicing it to Kara. Yeah. Which is why they had so many kind of struggles early on throughout most of season one into season two in terms of finding a balance of how they help each other cope emotionally. Yeah. Which is something I think people forget in terms of their relationship. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. When you go back and watch the beginning of season one, Alex feels so mean. (laughs) (laughs) One of my my favorite things about her. <laughs> well, not literally mean, but like she's so much more closed off emotionally to everybody. Yes. And there's a lot of development that we see. Yes. I think the last time that we discussed Eliza and Alex and Kara, I mentioned that this is like kind of a moment that propels Alex's storyline forward and kind of her beginning to accept herself. Yeah, we did talk about this. It's very much kind of that scene in Livewire is kind of like the start of her series long emotional arc. Yes of kind of figuring out who she is as a person and embracing it. Mm-hmm. Something that we hear Kara say a lot, like if she's about to die or whatever, <laughs> she'll be like, tell Alex to accept who she is, by the way. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because actually that was one strength of the final episode of Elseworlds. It acknowledged that. Kara tells the other Alex, you know, Alex on my earth has created this wonderful foundation for herself and support and she talks to people and isn't shy about sharing how she feels or who she is. And that's all stuff that's really only happened in the last season and a half. Yeah. Um, so yeah. there's been quite a lot of progress. And I think especially for fans who maybe came in later on in the series, mm-hmm. it gets missed a little bit or overlooked, let me say. Yeah. Especially depending on how you view it. Binge watching, you know. Yeah. Binge watching versus watching week to week versus only watching cuts on YouTube of select scenes. <laughs> yes. Or not watching the video at all and relying on gift sets that don't contain intonation or maybe all the dialogue. <laughs> we don't recommend these things. <laughs> we don't recommend that. <laughs> but in that conversation on Livewire, it's important that Eliza emphasizes that the message that Alex was getting, you know, that maybe Eliza didn't love Alex as much as Kara was completely incorrect. <laughs> and she says that the fact that she parented them differently doesn't mean that she didn't love Alex. Yeah. And the other really important thing in that is not only does Eliza apologize, Alex apologizes too. And not for the kind of snarky attitude that she had. She she doesn't apologize for that. (laughs) Why would she? (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, it it was kind of deserved. But she does apologize specifically for keeping things from Eliza. Yes. And it's really striking because earlier in the episode, Eliza tries to to make an opening for Alex to talk to her about, you know, things that are going on. She comments on the fact that Alex looks like she's really tired. Yeah. Which is something that could be read by Alex as like a criticism. You know, you look tired, you're not coping well or whatever when it's meant to be concern. Well, and the other thing about it that was interesting was Ultranos, one of our science episode guests, Mm -hmm. pointed out that it could be also seen as kind of a a professional passive aggressive slight Mm. because working in a lab is technically beneath someone of Alex's skill level. Interesting. And Eliza mentions about like, oh, are you busy at the lab? Because when you're running experiments, you have to be there when they're ready. And that could be any time. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's logical that maybe Alex would be tired from her cover story job. Yeah. Although it's also interesting that we see Eliza having a lot of pride in the fact that Alex is in the same line of work as her. Yeah, she absolutely does. She's bragging about it to win at dinner, (laughs) which is quite entertaining. But I think also the fact, though, that that comment where she's expressing concern, it comes 
comes on the heels of telling Kara that she's doing great. Yeah. And so in Alex's mind, it's like, Kara's great. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And she and she doesn't read it as, oh, mom is concerned about my health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's sort of the source of much um, of their much trouble. Of their trouble. Because Alex is reading the way that Eliza talks to her and the things that she asks her to do in a way that she doesn't express until like now in the episode we're discussing. Yeah. And so she's harboring all of this like resentment and, and feeling judged yeah. and unloved. And meanwhile, Eliza's like, I mean, it's not like she doesn't sense that anything is wrong. But but she doesn't really know what it is, which is why it's funny because she's it's like she's trying to guess based on what Alex has told her. But at this point, Alex is kind of almost a blank wall and you don't know what it could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have Alessa trying to act off incomplete information. And at this point, when they're adults, she is at least we know sometimes kind of trying to like prod and be like, OK, what's going on? Like, obviously something is, mm-hmm. which we see her do again in season two with much more success. Yes. When Alex finally comes out out to her. But when we see like in the flashbacks, Eliza isn't necessarily taking that time to check in and be like, hey, what's going on? We see it a tiny bit. She does catch, you know, the fact that Alex isn't done with her math homework and kind of question that. But she's so overwhelmed with the stuff with Kara by that point because she's the single parent in the household. And, you know, we find out she's got to work late all the time and is probably stressing about the fact that she has two kids. She's got to send to college now on a single income. (laughs) (laughs) On top of hoping that like today isn't a day that she gets a phone call that like Kara set the cafeteria on fire. Um, <laughs> or like broke a table under her hands. Or broke someone's arm or, you know, any one of many, many variables. But that breakfast scene is interesting because it's, it's very... It's such a good scene. It says so much in mm-hmm. so little time. It reiterates a lot of the insight that we've had over the course of these few seasons in terms of that dynamic. Because we have Kara, young Kara, who is... Being <laughs> such a brat. <laughs> yes, delightfully. She says like very smugly, like, it's kind of ironic that they call it advanced placement. On Krypton, we did calculus from age four. And Alex says, sorry, we can't all be as sophisticated as Kryptonians. And, you know, Eliza, of course, admonishes Alex specifically. And from Alex's point of view, it's like, oh, great. That's unfair. Kara said something totally like, mean. all smug and annoying. Yeah. And then I responded to her, but I'm the one who got shut down. Which makes me laugh because my sister will say the same thing. <laughs> like, she'll be like, why is it my fault when this happened? <laughs> Because you're older. If you're the older sibling, everyone assumes that you're more cognitively and emotionally mature and have better (laughs) impulse control. Therefore, you are going to perpetually be held more responsible for your actions. (laughs) So it's funny when we have these like very complicated dynamics with Kara and her being an alien with superpowers and who's traumatized by her planet exploding and then coming into this family. But she's also just a normal teenager who can be a total pain in the butt. Yes. But then we also have the fact that, you know, she has this history and she's talking about Krypton in the scene, you know. Yeah. And from Eliza's point of view, she mentioned Krypton and then Alex kind of had like a response that's like, oh, sorry, we can't all be as sophisticated as Kryptonians. Yeah, she she kind of says something that could be construed as not speaking kindly of Kara's like home family. Yes. And throughout the series, Kara has sort of developed from not really talking that much about Krypton no. to then over time, especially actually in season three. Mm. discussing a little bit more. But in season one, she takes James to the Fortress of Solitude for some plot reason. 
and says that Clark offered to bring her to the fortress multiple times and she said no, basically because the memories would be too painful for her. So it is a question of like, how much is Kara even talking about Krypton? Well, but it's funny because the way that Alex responds to Kara in that is like, okay, I'm sick of hearing about how Krypton is better than everything we do here. (laughs) But then again, it's like, do you want to respond to the idea that, oh, my home planet was so much better than this with actually your home planet wasn't that great? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So there's that problem, especially because her home planet no longer exists. Yeah. So then it becomes, it's like, okay, how do you stop this argument without really offending Kara or making her upset? Yes. But But the thing is, you know, Alex also has kind of like an emotional vulnerability in the scene because she's... Yes, which nobody else seems to know. Yeah. Well, she like actively hides it because... she hides it. Classic Alex. (laughs) (laughs) She's struggling with calculus and and that ties into the Midvale plot of Kenny and his death because he was, what, like tutoring her, helping her with it. Mm -hmm. She was hiding that fact from everyone. And so when Kara is like, call it advanced placement and like basically is like, this isn't even... (laughs) She's like, I could do this before kindergarten. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, Alex herself is feeling very insecure about her abilities, her ability to do calculus well, especially within like advanced placement. There's that expectation. Well, and also we know she's a senior. Mm. And so there's the looming threat of like SAT twos or she's got to take her SATs again or have her midterm grades be high enough for college. Like, And her mother's a scientist and and there's that kind of expectation there. Yeah. So so there's a lot compressed into that little conversation. And Eliza isn't really aware of, you know, at least the part of it that is that Alex is struggling with it. Like she knows obviously that college is looming and such. Um, So there's a degree of stress to be expected, but she isn't aware of the level that Alex is at. Well, yeah. And it's from other things we've seen about the way the two of them interact as adults. I still think that on some level she would expect that if Alex was struggling like that, she'd tell her. Mm. Or that she'd say she needed help or that, you know, she was studying with somebody else or something like that. Like anything, basically. <laughs> like any yes. communication whatsoever. Because it's very obvious in their in the present dynamic with all three of them, they, they're talkers as a family. <laughs> yes. Alex takes more prodding. But like when you get her to that point, she'll tell you. Yeah. You know, her whole life story. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> she will. Yes. And Kara, sometimes it's deceptively more open on the surface, but as we will get to in a little while, she can be very closed off about certain things too. Mm-hmm. She absolutely can. So Eliza is often unaware of Alex's struggles from this like individual example of her issues with calculus. So when she crashes in the flashbacks before she's hired at the DEO and she's like drinking and struggling with at school too, you know, now she's a DEO agent keeping that secret and the fact that all of these things have built up in her feelings about how Eliza favored Kara in her eyes. Yeah. Well, and the other part that we get in that live wire scene too is Alex explicitly says that she hated not being able to tell Eliza. Like deep down that part of her always wanted to. Mm. And so for certain things like with her job, she couldn't tell her. But then it's like, okay, well, with how many of these other things was she really just longing to be able to say it and either holding back because she didn't want to add to the stress at home Mm -hmm. or because she was afraid if she said something that her mom wouldn't support her the way that she expected her to, which is comes up again in season two. Or that she would be letting her down. Yeah, or Alex's bigger thing is like she hates disappointing people. Yes, she sure does. 
But we see when Alex finally kind of vents and just like basically informs Eliza of how she's feeling, Eliza recognizes it and takes steps to reassure her and to behave differently in the future. Yeah, pretty immediately. Like by the end of the episode, she starts catching herself and realizing like when she yeah. says goodbye, she starts well, to say, that's oh, take the end of the scene. <laughs> it's right away. Yeah. Oh, it's that same scene. Oh, right. No. In the scene where she goes to say goodbye to them, she actually gives Kara critical feedback and Alex is like, this is the best day of my oh, life. Kara's yeah. <laughs> like, this is great. <laughs> like she's happy for their relationship, but... Kara's like, this is progress, but it sucks. <laughs> I'm happy that um, this isn't happening to you and I'm not happy it's happening to me. <laughs> The part about this that's so interesting is both Kara and Alex have deceased parents who they idolize yeah. and hang on to as like when they're feeling bad, they just imagine that that parent who's not there every day is there to tell them that they're doing great and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And both of them lost their parents at very like formative. Critical ages. Yeah. And like before <laughs> that age, before it really settles that your parents are not what you would hope they would be. They're not like perfect. People have flaws. <laughs> yeah. Beings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you see a lot of that sometimes in the way that the dynamic between Eliza and Kara and Eliza and Alex play out. She's the only one out of four parents who's there all the time. (laughs) And so, like, the odds are obviously higher that at some point she's gonna make a mistake and say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or forget to do the right thing or, like, they're gonna get angry with her because she's the parent and they're (laughs) teenagers and, like, that's totally normal. Mm -hmm. And they're not really getting new information to be angry with their other parents. Um, Exactly. So, Which is something we actually saw with Kara in season one a lot a little bit in season two where she learned more about them and then had that disillusionment that she might have had when she was younger. And then also with Alex and Jeremiah and that betrayal. Yeah, and she sure cries a whole lot after that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Well, and that one's such an interesting contrast as well, because you have Alex pointing out to Kara very early on in season two in um, the second episode that, according to Alex, Clark abandoned Kara. (laughs) And then when Jeremiah comes back into the picture, Alex is suddenly being confronted with the fact that he essentially abdicated his responsibility to them also. (laughs) And so that part was also fascinating because that's where you got some insight into how much more Alex is like her mother Mm. as opposed to Jeremiah because in both her reactions to Clark's decision and Jeremiah's decision, she's like, why would you ever do that? That's not what you do. Like, if you're in it, you're in it. (laughs) You don't get to just like leave. Mm -hmm. And that's clearly something she got from her mom because her mom was the person who was there and who was consistently there and Mm -hmm. no matter how Alex might have felt along the way she has always trusted that yeah and you see it in the way their relationship starts to develop from season two onward like Alex gets a sense of security and a sense of comfort from her mom Mm -hmm. yeah the big storyline that we saw for Alex in season two was her realizing that she is a lesbian and kind of coming into her identity in that way and in terms of Eliza being a reassurance force they had that scene where Eliza sort of anticipated that Alex was trying to come out she kept like giving her openings to say it yeah she's like so she's like so uh, Maggie <laughs> you want to talk about that <laughs> like... yes and within that scene she makes sure to say you were
are always exceptional and I love you however you are, which is sort of the message that Alex has needed in her life at various points. And then, you know, in season three, when her relationship with Maggie falls through and she goes back to Midvale to see Eliza as she's leaving, Eliza says, strong girl, brave girl. And Alex says, not yet. And Eliza says, no rush and sort of emphasizes that whatever state Alex is in. It's okay still. Yes. Well, and it's interesting because even when Alex isn't on screen, Eliza's trying to like tell Cara to be a little more patient and be like, Alex needs to feel her feelings. Just let her do it. Well, I didn't think that Cara was being impatient. Well, she w- I wouldn't say impatient, but Alex definitely gets snippy with Kara for being a little pushy. But just it, it was interesting, though, to see the dynamic between the three of them there where Eliza was much more like protective of Alex. Yeah. In a way that we have seen frequently in the reverse. Mm-hmm. And still, you know, concerned about Kara at that well, point. Yes. Also, and she was like, well, while Alex is distracted, let me deal with you. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's nice to see Eliza kind of make sure to address both of her daughters in various situations. Because we saw earlier in the season, she was concerned about Kara and, and like yeah. talked about that with Alex and Maggie and then moved on to addressing Alex in her life. Yeah, which I remember somebody questioning that and I was like, okay, if she was only obsessed with one of her children, changing the topic to the other one would be much harder than, oh, that's sad that Kara's not here right now. So back to your life. (laughs) Yes. The other little piece of insight that we get in Midvale was the fact that maybe part of the reason that Alex and Eliza grew so far distant emotionally was that Eliza to Kara as an adult expresses this confidence that like Alex knows how to take care of herself emotionally Mm -hmm. and that when she's ready to kind of process her emotions and deal with them, she will. Yeah. And that's definitely very true. And that was such a mom thing to say. It was like spoken through the lens of years of experience. <laughs> yes. But on the other hand, that's also kind of why things escalated. I think the way they did mm, yeah. was that she A, assumed Alex was okay. And like B, assumed Alex would tell her if she wasn't. Yeah. And then Alex was like, if I say that I'm not okay, that is admitting weakness and I cannot do that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly what happened. My sister is invulnerable to everything. Therefore, <laughs> I too must be the girl of emotional steel. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Eliza is throughout the episodes that we've seen her in fairly perceptive regarding Alex and Kara, and <laughs> I think even like Maggie mm. and their interaction. Yeah, when she gave her that opening to be like, so where are all the pictures of your family? Yes. And we talked about how she sort of anticipated the fact that Alex was trying to come out. Mm-hmm. And she also says within that scene that she was always going to be different because she was always exceptional, which is definitely a big part of Alex's character. That sort of drive to achieve yeah that ambition and that's something that we see within this alternate universe that we saw within the crossover where that alex is still in a similar position that she is in our world even without Kara there and that influence and that sort of dynamic of feeling like she needs to be as good as this super powered person mm. it's also interesting in terms of how alex felt in the pilot episode she feared that she only got hired at the deo yeah because of her relationship with Kara and henshaw at that time <laughs> jean was like yeah i looked at you because of that but you're here because of yourself, which ended up being like, I guess not entirely true because Jean knew her the whole time (laughs) because of Jeremiah. That's interesting, but a a separate conversation that maybe we'll get to in our next episode. Mm. 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 
Perhaps. Maybe. So Alex has this fear that she's only special like by being near Kara. And so it's interesting that now later on, we see Eliza kind of reassuring her that she was always just by herself going to be exceptional. And it's interesting because Alex and in a different way, Kara share this trait of being perceptive. Alex was told by Marin, who was an actual mind reader. Yeah, Marin, before he says goodbye, when he thanks Alex for being such a good kind of family to Jean, says something about how she would have been an excellent green Martian because she's so perceptive of the feelings of other people. Yes. Which, when you consider they read minds, that's uh, wild. <laughs> yes. Alex clearly gets that from not Jeremiah. <laughs> no. Who doesn't know how to read a room very well. And then Kara is widely known for her empathy. Although she struggles with like social cues. Sometimes. Not always. Not always. She's gotten better with it over time. Very definitely with the help of Eliza and Alex and sort of helping her recognize certain things for what they are. Alex always telling Kara that she's being hit on. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and similarly, Eliza also sort of informed Kara of the reality of a social situation when in the Thanksgiving episode of season two, when Manel was talking a lot to Eliza. He was kind of sucking up to her. Yes. And Kara's like, she thought that he was hitting on her, which is. I genuinely laughed at that scene because the small had a boyfriend once who tried to do that. <laughs> Oh my. But that was funny also because Manel had called Alora in hologram form a babe because Wynne had told him that it means that somebody is beautiful. Kara's understandably offended. Yeah. <laughs> and so Kara's like, oh my god, not again. And then Eliza, when Kara voices this, uh, helps her out and tells her She's that- She's like, no, silly girl. <laughs> yes. So it's just funny that both Alex and Eliza have been shown to kind of be like, no, this is about a guy liking you. So there's that sort of social aspect, but also just the empathy and, and connecting to people in a real way, which is something we talked a lot about in the Moms podcast as sort of a contrast with Alora, who definitely imbued the concept of hope, help, and compassion in Kara. Like Alora said later on when she appears in live form, she says, I taught you to hope, kind of talking about how she lost hope herself. And in terms of help, the sort of prayer that they say to Rao, one of the lines is, may Rao protect us so we might protect others. And in terms of compassion, in season one, we had the scene with Alora and Astra, and Alora said to her, I will fight for your cause through compassion and reason. So those are definitely ideas that young Kara would have absorbed, but Eliza served the role of helping Kara connect to them in a real tangible and like human person based connection. Yes. In terms of other qualities that both Kara and Alex have kind of absorbed from Eliza over time, you pointed out that Kara kind of mimics Eliza's strategies for getting Alex to deal with feelings. Yes. We see with Eliza in the live wire episode in which she, we've talked about this, how Alex finally opens up and admits her doubts for the past, I don't know, 13 years or so. Eliza tells her to like sit and then talk to her. And we also see in season two, after Alex had come out to Kara and they had sort of this like tension and, and Alex didn't really know what it was and was feeling like rejected, Kara was like, come and sit and talk with me on that same couch. So it was just a nice little uh, continuity. Mm. We see a lot of examples of Kara when she's kind of dealing with her past in season two, recognizing how much Eliza influenced the way she coped with things. Yeah. And it's sort of interesting because 
because in this one example, she uses that experience to then help Jean. In episode seven of season two, Jean is seeing visions of his Martian family who had died mm. at the same time as he is having this connection with Magan. It's actually because like a plot reason he's having visions because he has like white Martian blood in his veins. But he thinks that it's like a psychological event that's happening because he doesn't want to let go of them. And Kara uses basically the things that Eliza taught her when she was struggling with the same thing when she was younger to help him. She says that Eliza said that my parents would want me to be loved and that nothing would replace them, that they were a part of who I am. Having me gone in your life doesn't mean losing your family. It means feeling whole again. And in terms of how that affected Kara when she was younger, that helped her open up to Eliza and open up to having a life on Earth and connections on Earth. And I also think it may have opened her up to having her many mother figures that she likes to collect. (laughs) And in terms of their similarities, that scene offers another one between Kara and Eliza. She talks about how she was looking up at the stars and feeling alone, started to cry. And then Eliza came into my room. I yelled at her to get out. She says Eliza refused to leave. Which I started laughing when I saw that quote because Alex phrases something very similarly when she talks about how Kara last year broke into her home, yes. refused to leave, yeah. and forced her to cry and talk about her feelings. Mm-hmm. So Eliza and Kara both have this quality of, of sort of forcing people to open up. Which Kara then again did with Nia in this season. Yes, also true. One of my favorite qualities in Kara. Very persistent, yes. that Kara. It's also a nice little connection to who Eliza is as a parent, because in the Midvale episode, she says, when your child's in agony, you show up regardless of the hour. You sure do, Cycles. You <laughs> sure do. <laughs> oh, man. Some long nights, baby. <laughs> do you know how many times I've been awake at four in the morning with a crying teenager? Many. <laughs> And that scene where Kara talks about how Eliza tried to get through to her is a great scene. It's one of my favorite mm. Kara and Eliza scenes. Well, Even though Eliza's not physically in it. Yet. Yes. And she says, it was the first time I ever really let her hug me. And that was the first time I didn't feel alone anymore, which is kind of a big deal. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's especially important because of the thing Kara mentions about Eliza not looking to replace Kara's real parents. Mm-hmm. Actively choosing not to try to be a replacement, she ends up giving Kara the room to feel like she is a parent. Not a replacement, but another parent. Yes. Yeah. And it's nice that it's a hug because hugs are... Poor Kara with hugs. <laughs> yeah. We talked a little bit about, you know, Streaky as an example of Kara and, and her strength being an issue and Alex hugging her and, and cracking her back. So it's kind of nice that it's a hug. And it's also sort of like a, a psychological connection back to when Kara gave that sort of last hug to Alora. And Eliza's the first person she lets hug her. Yes. <sighs> Aww. I have so many feelings now. <laughs> I'm feeling feelings and I don't like it. I'm feeling feelings and I do like it. This is why I'm more of an Alex and you're more of a Kara. <laughs> And then Kara's quite obviously not the only daughter of Eliza's who has taken after her in some ways. No. We have Alex, <laughs> I want to be my mom Danvers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so true in so many ways. Yes. And you don't realize it until like you texted me a screenshot of Alex from episode 119, Myriad, when she's in disguise and hiding with Jean <laughs> and she like literally is dressed as Eliza. Yeah. And has been running around with a small child the whole time. Yeah, she has this like <laughs> blonde wig, this long blonde wig, and like a pink cardigan. 
Which is like, so wow. nothing Alex would ever wear. Um, <laughs> and we've talked about before how growing up, maybe Alex was mistaken for the adopted one. Yeah, because Helen Slater and Melissa both played Supergirl, mm-hmm. Kara actually looks more like Eliza than Alex does. Mm-hmm. And we're also joking about the body swap episode where Alex is now in Kara's body. He's like, wow, I finally look like my own mom, <laughs> Eliza. Um, and that's just cruel, really. <laughs> You're welcome. Not going to lie, though, I would enjoy it if the show alluded to that issue at least once. Mm-hmm. Same. Because it's intriguing. Yeah. So we have that costume choice uh, when she's playing a mom. Well, not only that costume choice, it's just like I have to be in disguise and Jean can shapeshift. So obviously my first instinct is to go for a family <laughs> dynamic. Yeah. This is my chance. <laughs> This is why I was not surprised by any of the turns Alex's storyline has taken. Like, yes. her gut instinct to hide is to be, like, a suburban mom. <laughs> it's all she wants in life, guys. And we see this uh, this sort of grand confirmation of that idea in her speech in The Faithful when she's realizing that she wants to be a mom, sort of admitting it out loud, you know, because this is going to be a problem with her and Maggie, because uh, Maggie doesn't want children. And she gives this little monologue to Kara about all the things that she wants to do with her daughter specifically a daughter and they're all things that she and Eliza had done I would like a flashback to Eliza teaching Alex how to throw a punch because that was very specific (laughs) yes I would as well like how old was she when that happened That's a thing I'd like to know. Mm. Well, and then that's actually a really cute continuity thing because Alex then teaches Kara how to fight in season one. Yeah, that's nice. It is. And another thing that I noticed when sort of rewatching some of Eliza's scenes, Mm. Eliza has a bit of like people skepticism, sort of contrasting with like Kara, who believes the best in everyone. Although I wonder by the end of season four... (laughs) How much that will she's have. Having a, um, she's having a little crisis of a faith. trial by fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think with the show like Supergirl, it'll be a deeper understanding of people, but that yeah. results in the same conclusion of most people are still good. Yes. To kind of paraphrase Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Eliza says to Alex in the Livewire episode about Kara, she's been here 12 years and still thinks deep down everyone is as good as she is. You know better. Sort of affirming that she herself and Alex both have a very different worldview in terms of people. And then just a little thing that was interesting. We also see in episode eight of season two, Eliza is helping them with the Medusa virus. And she is kind of immediately like, what about that Lena Luther girl? and suggests that she may be working with Lillian. And it was sort of interesting as well, the fact that after Kara says her sort of defense of Lena, Eliza is quiet. And it just reminds me of something that you noted, Alex, and how Alex responds to Kara voicing her belief in Lena Luther in mm. episode 12 of season two. Yeah, she does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is trying to tell Kara that she's wrong and Alex just kind of sits there quietly. Yeah. The Danvers women know better. <laughs> <laughs> They're both like, we've had this conversation before. When Kara's in this state, there is no changing her mind. You've just got to mm-hmm. let it go. Mm. So it's interesting because they both have that worldview. And then they also have the same kind of reaction to Kara, who has a different worldview. And for the most part, give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And it's also actually interesting to go back to the end of season three, when Kara defers to the adults who are telling her that she needs to come out ready to kill Rain. Alex is really the only person who doesn't say anything about that by the end. Mm because she has already realized that that's not going to work for Kara. Yeah, interesting. Indeed. And to go back to that idea of Alex really wanting to be a mom in a way that represents her love of Eliza and their love of her whole family, essentially. Alex wants to adopt 
yeah, very explicitly wants to adopt. Like they literally showed her Googling adoption websites. Yes. And adoption is a huge thing in the Supergirl TV show, which one might expect from a show, which is about a child who is forced to leave their birth planet and then go make a family on another planet and try to live a happy life. It's about found family in a lot of different contexts. And adoption is a big motif that we see in the series. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about it that's really cool, and they got a lot of kind of press attention for this in season one, is that it's a pretty nuanced look at adoption and adoptive families, especially with the fact that they're now, they're adults, the girls. Yeah. Because usually if you see it, it's in a situation where everybody's still kids and a lot of it's played up for like the sibling rivalry conflicts and you deal with all the really dramatic like, oh, but what about my birth family and all that kind of stuff. And And then like the birth family dramatically showing up. (laughs) Yeah, or something like that. And, And this show has really focused on the fact that family isn't necessarily defined by genetics, but also the fact that having those solid relationships between parents and children and between siblings, it takes work. Mm -hmm. It takes constant renegotiating of boundaries and adjusting to the way people's life circumstances change. And you can't just settle in one way and be like, it's going to be this forever. That's not how anybody works as a person. And it's done a really good job of showing how Alex and Kara have changed over time, how their relationships to each other and Eliza have changed over time, how Alora now fits kind of into this picture Mm -hmm. and how Jean fits into the picture. Yeah. And the family's kind of grown. And, you know, we've seen Wynn get brought in in a very siblingy way. We've seen kind of James brought in a little bit. We've gotten to see Kara connecting to Clark more and kind of being willing to engage with that kind of more painful aspect of, of her dual family situation. Yeah. And it's interesting in terms of people like Wynn and James, the fact that the Thanksgiving episode, the first one that we had, Kara called it Friendsgiving and sort of integrating the people around you and forming a family. Mm. Yeah. And then by this season, it was very much a family Thanksgiving. Um, Well, and the other part about it in terms of talking about adoption is obviously there have also been other examples of families with adoptive siblings. Like we've had Lena talk about that with Sam. When was a foster child, which I wish we'd gotten more learning about his friendship with Kara because I could see that being such a good bond for them. Mm. Um, which is a shame because we did get it when he mentioned it. It was to Alex. Yeah. It wasn't even to Kara. But it was in reference to their relationship, like Alex and Kara and yeah. the feelings that Kara may feel as the adopted one. Yeah. And just the best thing about the way they portray it is that for all the ups and downs and the periods where two of the three of the Danvers women maybe aren't getting along with each other or there's resentment or whatever. You can see so clearly, though, none of them have any regrets, really, about Mm. the way things have played out. They all value those relationships to each other so very much. I mean, look at, like, Alex's decisions throughout season three. She's like, wow, parenting sure was really difficult on my mom, especially the adopting part, and then had the ripple effect of making my life really stressful and hard, too. I want to do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Hashtag worth it. <laughs> exactly. Like if you come out of a situation like that, feeling like it was so worth it to you that you want to do it again for someone else, like there has to be more that was done right than was done wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And you also, you made this observation and it's definitely legit. You were like, somehow this adoption thing feels related to streaky. (laughs) (laughs) And it sure does. I didn't have like a fully formed idea for like why. But I thought about more. It's like Kara expressed to Brainy in that episode where she talked about streaky. She felt like a stray, like the cat was. So stray in the sense of like feeling like she didn't belong or have a family of her own Mm -hmm. to be connected to. Yes. And her way of addressing that sort of kinship was to try to connect with Streaky and and make Streaky, the cat, feel at home. And it's just interesting because that's what Eliza and Alex were trying to do for Kara. This idea of seeing someone who's like lost to the world and trying to make a home for them. Yeah. And it's very sweet. (laughs) And obviously that relationship that Kara formed with the cat was longstanding because there's pictures of Kara with Streaky Mm -hmm. in Elias's house, in Kara's house. Car's <laughs> desk at work, like <laughs> her desk at work. Oh, bless! Car is a cat lady. Car loves lots of animals. Kara is a lover of animals in all shapes and sizes: puppies, <laughs> kitties, dragons, birds. <laughs> She's a Disney princess. She she really is. Kara would make an excellent Disney princess. That's true. Oh, last important kind of family value thing to point out when it comes to like Eliza and Kara and Alex is that there's really two kind of qualities that connect them all to each other and that's persistence. Mm-hmm. The last one of them is quite stubborn in their own way. Um, <laughs> quite true. But in a way that positively affects other people most of the time. Yes. And specifically in terms of connecting to the various Danvers women. Yes. And the other thing is a sense of belief or faith in each other. Mm. And the reason that those two things are really important, they're what holds the family together at the end of the day because the Danvers family is a weird family dynamic because Kara is not formally adopted by them. Mm -hmm. And because Kara is from another planet, I don't think she as a younger teen would have cared even if there was a piece of paper saying that they were in charge of her. Uh, (laughs) But essentially... Because it's kind of just this situation where Kara's there, but there's nothing legally holding her to them, they can't genuinely be a family unless Kara accepts that she is part of it. Mm -hmm. Because if she chooses to leave at any point, if she's, you know, if she decides to go back and live with Clark like she wants to in episode two in season two, or if she had run away as a kid, there's nothing they could have done to stop her. I mean, she's physically capable of too much. we saw in Midvale, Eliza was really totally out of options and so just lost about what to do that she called in fake Jean um, <laughs> to try to scare Kara essentially into behaving. And we see Alex express that same fear like, well, what's going to happen to our family and to me if you leave? Mm. And And Kara doesn't always think of it that way because she's, as the outsider, she feels it more in the reverse, which like she needs them to believe that she's part of their family. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like they all need the same thing and then there's insecurity about whether or not they'll get it. Well, yeah, and that's kind of the situation that I was in as like a guardian of a kid whose parents are still alive, mm-hmm. but who live in another country. And that feeling never quite goes away because you're always very aware that, that at the end of the day, it's just the emotional bonds that are holding you together. Yeah. And so you do always have this little bit of anxiety of like, okay, but what if, what if I do the wrong thing one day and it ruins it? Mm. Or like, what if something else happens? And like their fear that something would happen and the government or somebody would physically come take Kara away. Yeah. That's always in there. And so it's very hard to push past that. And it's something that we see Alex and Eliza consistently do. And that's where Alex really doesn't cut Clark any slack. Mm. And that's also where when she confronts Jeremiah and is like, why would you ever think this is something we would have wanted you to do? Yeah. 
like, we needed you, mom needed you, and you've just been here thinking that by pretending to do, like, just chilling and doing bad things, that was better for us. Uh, yeah. And so that's always so interesting to see because the relationship Alex has with Kara is so is special too because Kara never had a sibling yeah. on Krypton that she felt like she lost. So Alex wasn't replacing anything. Alex was just a gain. Mm-hmm. Whereas Eliza and Kara, that was such a different balance to walk at because we know from what Kara said, Eliza's always been very mindful of that fact that Kara had parents, parents who loved her very much, who were alive for most of her formative childhood, who she remembers. And she made sure to never disrespect that, to never kind of try to walk over that or erase it. And ultimately, that's what leads Kara to being willing to respect Eliza as a parent. Yeah. And ultimately, Kara feeling secure in her connection with her birth mother and being made to feel even more secure later on when she finds out Laura's alive and she has a means to, you know, communicate with her and be with her. That allows for Kara to feel comfortable calling Eliza mom, as we saw in the call to action episode, Thanksgiving episode in this season. So well and the other thing too to go back to that conversation that Kara relays to Jean about Eliza telling her, you know, her parents would have wanted her to be loved. Yeah. She gets that confirmation when she sees Alora. Alora is nothing but grateful and happy mm-hmm. that Kara had a family that loved her. Mm-hmm. Happy with Eliza and happy with Alex specifically when she sees her. Al- uh, I still want Eliza and Allura to actually meet at some yeah, point. our Christmas wish list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's my dream for next Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, so that whole situation really reaffirmed the idea that this is an okay family to have. And as you talked about before, on the flip side, there's also that anxiety about maybe the Danvers family not wanting Kara or to have that connection with Kara. I mean, even in terms of her relationship with Alex in season one, she talks about needing Alex to believe in her. And she's also nervous about what Eliza will think regarding Supergirl and her, you know, coming out as a superhero. Yes. To contrast with Alex's <laughs> yes. similar coming out a year later. <laughs> when Kara in season one's like, Alex, you should come out. <laughs> <laughs> that scene has so much more yes. great way right? to her now because Alex gives her such a look. <laughs> she's like, uh. <laughs> but then it's also funny because of the song that they played in that same episode later yeah. on in the scene with Eliza and Alex. They played the Take Me to Church cover by... Specifically by a, a woman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> An interesting choice. Gay. Uh, <laughs> foreshadowing, I suppose. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, but it's just interesting to remember that that does go both ways because on the one hand, the Danvers family is always like afraid that Kara is going to just like decide she doesn't want them anymore. Yeah. But on the other hand, Kara is like, but what if you guys reject me? Yeah. And also a big part of that is the idea of feeling like a burden. Yeah. And stressing them all out. Yeah, which she is definitely very aware of and I think is part of, in some ways, why she can be so guarded with her feelings about her past specifically. Like, mm. she doesn't seem to mind as much opening up to either Alex or Eliza about like, oh God, what do I do about work? Or, you know, I ruined the food I was trying to make. (laughs) A true tragedy. She's less inclined to be like, what about the crushing weight of (laughs) my lost planet? (laughs) Yeah, she Uh, she really doesn't like want to bring that up, partly because she knows just how much of an effort it was for them to to take her in and deal with everything related to that. Mm. This is why they're such a good family, but they also stress each other out. (laughs) Yes. Just hug. It'll be fine. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it, the three of them, their entire dynamic going in all directions and their relationships with each other. It's nice to see how much they've developed and, and grown over the seasons. And Kara going from having doubts about Alex having faith in her to, you know, that hardly being an issue now. To being like, this is my sister and I will fight everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's always kind of been like that, oh, but so now, now they've both fully embraced it. Yeah. And Alex is so obviously proud of Kara and her achievements, which was something that, you know, she voiced. That Kara had some lingering insecurity about, which we discovered in Falling. Yeah. So it's been nice. <laughs> it has. And on a forward note, I commented to you after the crossover that Kara's reaction to Clark and Lois having a baby has made me so excited <laughs> for when that's eventually Alex, because it's going to be like 10 times more excited. Mm -hmm. And also we'll have that lovely continuity of Kara, who had her beloved aunt, getting to be that aunt. You had to make me have Astra, Kara, and aunt feelings right now. Um, look, <laughs> Was that necessary? It's literally the most fitting thing they could do at the conclusion of this series. And honestly, I yeah. hope that's not for a long time, but I can't wait. <laughs> well, because we've talked about before how the sisters, Kara and Alex, compared to Allura and Astra. Mm -hmm. So that'll be a nice sort of end of a loop. Yes. And probably for Kara, a little bit of a filling and emotional hole. Yeah. Yeah. In a good way, though. Yeah. And also just please picture Eliza and Jean as like grandparent figures. <laughs> like... That's an amazing mental image. I'm prepared and I'm ready. And <laughs> speaking, speaking of Sean, yes, <laughs> we have our next podcast hiatus topic picked out. That is John Jones, Space Dad. A whole episode dedicated to how much we love Jean. Um, we actually did get, I think, at least three requests for that. Yeah, three. So people love Jean as much as we do, which is nice to hear. Yeah, well, and we've commented to each other in the course of doing the podcast that every time we get to a bullet point about Jean, we realize we have a lot of feelings about him. It's that just my heart overflows. <laughs> we don't ever get asked about like blogging because yeah. everybody's focus is always on the female characters. And so we're going to change it up a little bit mm -hmm. and talk about Space Dad. Yeah, so we'll talk about his backstory, his psychology, his relationships with the various characters. And his, his role as kind of a mentor figure, not just to Alex and Kara, but specifically he's interacted with all the primary male characters as well. Yeah. And I've talked about before has sort of filled this role as like the father of the series like and inherited that sort of Superman mythology of like the son becomes the father and the father becomes the son. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yes, it will. <laughs> so if you have any questions regarding Jean Jones, you can go to our Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at Supergirls Attic. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.